0: Well, good morning. Um, I know that we've already welcomed you, but I just want to personally say I'm so glad that you um, are live streaming in with us today. Um, It is a little bit different um, being in here to an empty um, auditorium, no congregation this morning, but I do feel like God has a word um, that we need for us to hear this morning. And so, but before we even get started, um, I just want to once again, just remind our church congregation, our family, to pray for those who are sick. Um, I keep thinking of the passage in James chapter 5 that said, if there is anyone who is sick, if there's anyone who's suffering, man, then we need to lift them up in prayer. Um, and so, I know I've talked a few of them on the phone this week, and just, they've expressed feelings of loneliness, and just anxiousness, um, of not really... It just, they feel separated from the church. And so we want to remind you guys that this is the time that we step up as a church family, as a church body. Um, we are there to call them. We're there to encourage them. They are not alone in this. This is not the time to turn our backs on them. This is the time to embrace them um, with a the distance. And so... Um, Just think throughout this week if you can be an encouragement and just love on one of our church members who's maybe going through this difficult time. Um, So as I begin this morning, the topic that um, I am excited about speaking is one that we kind of can't do right now. Um, As you can tell, I'm going to be talking about the parable of the great banquet. Um, And this is something that normally gets everybody excited. Um, We talk about food. We talk about gathering together. And if you're anything like me, like right now, this is something that we dearly need. We need this time of fellowship together. So I want you, and I know you just started um, on our service, but I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine just for a second that coronavirus has passed. We are through all of this mess, and we are back to normal. And in celebration of coronavirus being gone, being eradicated, we decide as a church family to throw a banquet. Can you see it with me? Invitations go out. Everybody in our church family is excited to be there. There's this buzz in the air. And we are packed inside of our lighthouse wall to wall, and just you can hear the laughter. You can feel the joy. People have anxiously awaited this time, and we are at this great banquet. Can you feel that with me? Can you see that? Well, let me tell you this. People long to do life together. People love to hang out with one another, and I believe that that's something that we are missing greatly right now. But because that we are missing this. I believe that as I preach this message this morning, this should cause us to yearn, to long for the day that we get to be at the great banquet one day. And so we're going to talk about this in Luke chapter 14, um, but before we even do, I just want to give you a I I get excited when we talk about fellowship, when we talk about community, and there's this passage in Acts chapter 2 that I want to read that talks about the early church and how they got to fellowship with one another. And listen to what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. There it is, right? The breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. Church family, we may be separate right now, but we are still together. And they had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them or the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, there it is again, breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. And I know that as we're thinking about like, people being saved, people being added, that is what we are longing for. That is what we are wishing right now, that even if we're not gathering together physically, that we are still spending the time with one another in fellowship. And so this is a challenge to us. And this is also something that is special. And so as we begin Luke chapter 14, the reason why I'm even bringing this up is because I want us to see the context in Luke chapter 14. Um, Look at verse 1. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees. They were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away and said, Which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? and they could not reply to these things. So the reason why we're getting ready to talk about a great banquet, you need to know the context. Here in Luke chapter 14 verse 1, Jesus himself is at a dinner party. Now I don't know if you caught this or not, but the whole reason why Jesus is invited is not because they want to spend time with him, not because they want to get to know Jesus more. This is a trap. Look what it says. Those who, who invited him said they were watching him carefully. Their intentions were not for fellowship, but their intentions were to trap him, to trick him. But if you know anything about our Savior, he's not easily tricked. He's not easily trapped. So Luke points out that while they're at this dinner party, they're trying to trick him. Now, have they tried this before? You better believe it. That They've done this time and time again, and yet Jesus always gets right to the point. And as he encounters them trying to trap them, he also wants to teach them. So here we go. Here's the man with dropsy. And I did a little bit of research this week. Dropsy is this disease of where the body just retains fluid. And so there's different things in the body that just can't seem to process it. So the body begins to swell, and it's extremely painful. And once again, just as they invited Jesus— not to fellowship with him, they didn't invite this man to fellowship with them. They had no concern for this man. They were using him as bait. And so they put him in front of Jesus at this party, and Jesus sees him. He has compassion on him. And of course, what does Jesus do? He heals this man. And that's exactly what these religious leaders wanted. But Jesus, even though he heals them right in front of him, he asks, "Wouldn't you do the same?" If your son or your ox was in the ditch, wouldn't you have compassion? He wants to do this to convict them. And this interaction, remember, as we're talking about parables, there's two different responses that people have. Your heart can either become soft and you can hear truth, or your heart hardens and you become calloused. This should have softened their hearts. They should have seen that they were only using this man to manipulate Jesus. But yet their hearts are not changed. Sadly, nothing happens. These men do not care. And all they want is to protect God's truth in their mind. They merely want to promote their traditions, even if it means using this man. So Jesus goes on to expose their legalistic thoughts, and he calls them out for their blatant sin. So as we continue in Luke chapter 14, verse 7 talks about this parable of a wedding feast. Right, we're, So we're getting to a banquet, but now we're talking about a feast. Listen to what it says. Now he told a parable to those who were invited. And when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor. Lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So I don't know if you can tell, but this morning I set up a banquet table. And I know it's not an elaborate banquet table. I was hoping we could have a huge one, right? But we just don't have the space for this this morning. But I want you guys to imagine with me, and I even had great plans, right? I was going to come and invite people up to sit at my table, and I was going to watch people. I was going to watch where they sat at the table, because that's what's happening. Jesus comes to this dinner party. He sees this man, right? He's observing. He heals him, but he also noticed that as people were coming in, They were picking the spots they wanted to to sit at, right? Because in their culture, let's imagine, if you will, here's the head of the table. Here's the host. What people would do would try to what? Sit as close as they possibly could to the host. For my illustration purpose, everyone at this table could hear the conversation. But imagine if the table was long. The person at the far end, would they really hear what the host was talking about? No. So they would be missing out, and only those of great importance would be allowed to be closest to the host. So as they're coming into this party, guess where everyone is filling up first? Closest to the host. And so Jesus addresses this. He's trying to teach them that we shouldn't just be concerned about our status, We should be concerned about our character and how you live your life. And in verse 8, he tells them, don't rush to the place of honor because if the host sees someone else, he may move you down. And what great shame would come on being humbled like that in front of everyone. What does Jesus tell them to do? He says, rather go and sit at the lowest place of the table so that as the host comes, he sees you and goes, no, no, you shouldn't be at the lowest and promote you. How does he end it in verse 11? He says, if you exalt yourself, if you lift yourself up, you're going to be humbled. But if you humble yourself, you will be exalted. And I want us to think about that just for a second. I'm, I'm a student pastor. I get to work with students and write, imagine our students at a school lunchroom. There's so many different places to sit. But if we really stop and think about it, where you sit says a lot about who you are. Because there's different table for different types of kids. And even as we get older, sometimes we do this. We want to rush up to be viewed as important. Everyone wants to be acknowledged. Even as we get older, this doesn't change. So all of that was context. Context. I wanted to make sure that when we get to our passage in Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24, we know why Jesus is talking about a great banquet. Because to understand the why, you have to know what Jesus is talking about. And this is the context. So look with me at our parable. And it's something that I think that if we don't understand it, we can lose track of things. So here he says, He said to the man who had invited him, so now he's talking directly to the host. When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or the rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and be repaid. So, before we go any further in the parable, I looked at that and go, wait a second. I'm not supposed to invite my friends or my brothers or my relatives. I don't believe that's what Jesus is saying. We can invite our friends, we can invite our brothers. But it shouldn't be the only people we invite because they can repay us. And this is something that I got to experience just yesterday. Um, So I've moved two years ago up here to the Ridge, um, and now my brother actually lives up here. But the rest of my family is all down in southeast Missouri. Well, yesterday we got the opportunity to gather together. So my brother's house is just down the road. He opened it up. He was the gracious host. And then my mom and dad and a few of my uh, sisters got to come. So we got to spend awesome family time together. And let me tell you, it was sweet. And here's the beautiful part. Like, I felt like I was repaid by them. But watch what our scripture challenges us to do. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And I had to pause for a second. Yesterday, I enjoyed my time with my family so much. It was incredible. But would I enjoy a feast just as much if I invited someone who was poor, who was crippled, who was lame, and who was blind? And if I really answer that question, it's tough, isn't it? Because we enjoy being around the people that we like. We enjoy being around the people that make us feel good that make us feel accepted. But Jesus is challenging them here. Watch what he says in verse 14. You will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And so as we think about the beginning, and this is just the setup. Jesus is talking to them about who's being invited to this dinner party that they were at. And he's trying to make sure that they understand That it's not just about inviting those who we like, but it's caring for every single person. Because did they care for that man with dropsy? Absolutely not. Notice how it says at the end of verse 14 there. When will we be repaid? Here and now? No. But at the resurrection of the just. And if we look over in Acts, Paul addresses this. And he talks about how there is a resurrection for the just and the unjust. And I want you to keep that in mind here in just a second because notice how a man sitting at the table, he's just observing, he's listening to Jesus, talking to the host. Watch how he responds. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, and he gets excited because Jesus is talking about something in the future, a future kingdom, a future banquet. Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And let me tell you, he is right. One day we will get to be with our Savior, with our King. We will be a part of his kingdom. And as it's going to talk about here in a second, there's going to be a great banquet. And this is an exciting thing. Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But here's what I don't want us to miss. This man was confident that he would be at this great banquet. He thought his place was secured because of who he was and what he had done he presumed he was in. And I want you to catch that. Not because of what our Savior had done, but because of who he was. So notice how Jesus corrects him. But he said this by giving this parable. A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. Once again, My hope this morning was I was going to be passing out invitations. I was going to say, you're invited to this great banquet. You're invited to this great banquet. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but when you get a card like this in the mail, especially like a wedding invitation or a birthday party, I get excited to see I'm invited. Someone thinks something about me, right? So this person, this host is inviting many And at the time of the banquet, he said to a servant, to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. For those of you who've ever hosted anything, you know it's a lot of work. You have to clean, you have to prepare. I mean, even for this morning, this table didn't magically get here. I had to find some plates, I had to find some glasses. I even wanted to have a nice little centerpiece right here. I wanted it to be well presented. And the same thing was true for hosting in Jesus's time. Actually, it was probably even a little bit harder. They didn't have all of the technology and the resources that we have. And so the reason why they sent out these invitations is because they needed to get a response. They needed to know how many people were coming so they could prepare appropriately. Just as I set the table for four, if I invited 12 people and I only have four spots set up, I'm in trouble. So this host sent out the invitations, people reply, they RSVP'd, if you will, they said they were coming. He sends out his servant, and notice what happens. Come, everything is now ready. They had knew the time, they had agreed to come, and here's the party, here's the great banquet. But they all alike began to make excuses. Kind of sounds like us today. When someone invites us to something and something better comes along, what do we do? We make up an excuse. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. So excuse number one is what? I have bought a field and I need to go see it. Okay. So this excuse is not very good because normally when you're buying a piece of property or a house, what do you do first? You go and view it. You don't buy it sight on— like. I don't even get to see it. So this person says, I need to be excused. Hey, I'm so, so sorry, but I bought a field. I need to go view it. Excuse number two, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I need to examine them. The equivalent for us today, you just bought a brand new car, and you haven't test driven it. Excuse number three, I have married a wife, and I cannot come. Now, I know that sounds like the best excuse of them all. Like, that's a very important thing. But once again, remember the context of this story. The host had already sent out his invitations. He told them the exact day. They said, I'll be there. This person, I don't know if you know this or not, but weddings are kind of a big deal. And usually you send out your own invitations for those. So this person knew that they were scheduling their event, their wedding, over the top of this great banquet. These excuses won't hold up. So notice what our text says. So the servant came and reported all these things to the master. So the servant comes back and says, Hey, this guest says this. This guest told me this. This guest said that. And unfortunately, those three, they're not coming. The master of the house became angry and said to the servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. I want us to pause here just for a second. Remember the man with dropsy? Was he invited because of what he could bring? No. And Jesus is once again pointing that out to them. Go out quickly. Get those who have no social status. Get those who the world doesn't really look at. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. Remember that phrase, still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Well, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel, urge people to come in that my house may be filled. Do you see the scene? There's empty tables. I have food prepared. My banquet is ready and these people have rejected me. So I'm inviting more in, right? Send out more letters. Tell them it's today. Come now. They did and more came but yet there was still room. Go to the highways and hedges. Go as far out as you can. Let all know that they are invited to come to my great banquet. Notice how it ends. For I tell you, none of those who are invited shall taste of my banquet. Hard ending to this parable. All those who rejected his invitation, it said that they will not taste of the banquet. Now remember, this is a parable. Parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Or, if you will, a practical story with a spiritual truth. So what I want to do for the next little bit is make sure that we know what this means. I want us to go through what each person represents. So the man, the host, in the parable, not the original host, but the man who's throwing this great banquet, he represents God. So he is sending out these invitations. He has said, will you come and be a part of my great banquet? Those who reject him represent Israel. So he's talking to these Jewish religious leaders And saying, you are the ones who will reject me. Your proud thinking of your heritage will not do. Israel rejects him. But here's the beautiful part. Those who are invited in later. Guess who those represent? The Samaritans. The Gentiles. Let me tell you, this part makes me excited because guess what? I'm not Jewish. This is me. Jesus has invited me in to attend his banquet. By God's great grace, hear this, we have been invited, we have been called by the king to attend his great banquet. And it's because of nothing that I have done. I didn't even know a banquet was going on until he said, Brett, come, I want you to be a part of this great banquet. The call in Luke chapter 14 is the same call that we are experiencing today. Jesus has said, come and join me at my table. I want you to fellowship with me. I want you to enter into my family. All is ready. He has made a way of salvation for us. But here's the question. Will you accept this invitation? And I know that I can't possibly do this, and I didn't even have close to enough cards to do this this morning. But imagine if I walked up to you. Will you accept this invitation? And I'm not Jesus. I'm not God. I'm not the host. But I just wanted that you to get that picture. Because he has given us the choice to come and be ready. I even think about, um, I grew up in church listening to hymns. Um, And one of the hymns that I, I sang many, many times, and I've never really thought about it, is Come and Dine. But listen to these words. Jesus has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. He invites his chosen people to come and dine. With his manna he doth feed and supplies our every need. Come and dine, the master calleth. Come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude and turned the water into wine, catch this last part, to the hungry. And man, we are spiritually hungry. He calleth now, come and dine. As we've been talking about these different parables, Roger has been talking about there's going to be a little bit of a wait. Wait. Right When you send out an invitation to a party, there's a little bit of that weight. Like, are they going to respond to me? And we as believers, we have called to be faithful. We have been called to be wise stewards. And we need to be ready for this. We need to be sending out these invitations to people. We need to be urging people to come to this great banquet. This is not just a banquet that you go to, you sit down, and you go, okay, I'm done. I'm here. You want your friends. You want your family to be at this banquet table too. I can't help but think um, in Revelation, it talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Listen to what is written here. Then I heard—I'm in chapter 19, verse 6—then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude— Like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out. What are they crying out? There's this great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Man, we could get back up here as a worship team and just say that over and over again. Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Our great host of this great banquet. He is in control let us rejoice. Let us exult and give Him glory. Why are are we giving Him glory? For the marriage of the Lamb has come. I got super excited about the day that I got married. Well, there's this beautiful thing of if you've accepted this invitation, then you're the bride of Christ. And we're here anxiously waiting His return. We're waiting for the day that He comes and He snatches up His bride. And As we wait, we're to be pure, we're to be holy, we're to be right in his eyes. This marriage of the Lamb has come, his bride has made herself ready, and it was granted to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. This is what the church should be as we wait for this great banquet. Bright and pure, clothed in this fine linen. And the angel said to me, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Like, what an incredible blessing it is to even get an invitation. Because of Israel's rejection, we have been invited in. And I know that that was his plan all along, but there's still something special about knowing that God has invited me. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Look at John's response. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that, right? He's talking to this angel. He falls down to worship. Don't worship me. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Catch this, church family. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Wow, isn't that powerful? This is the scene in heaven that John is getting to behold, this marriage supper of the Lamb. And we get to be there. We are the ones who get to sit at Jesus' feet. We get to proclaim his glory, his goodness. And I'm, that's why I love when we sing songs. Yes, everything we do is an act of worship, but man, there's something special about just crying out, lifting our hands, saying, God, you are worthy. You are king, and we love you so much. So this parable, as we go back to Luke, is trying to get our attention. Are we more focused on the here and now, that we only care about inviting those who are our friends, who are our family, or are we concerned about the souls of others, that we see the lame, we see the crippled, we see, if you will, the outcast, the down and out, and we say, come into my home. Let me show you a small picture of what Jesus has done for us. I want to fellowship with you. I want to invite you as well. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ that we are sinners and we are separate from Christ. But now he has welcomed us. He has invited us to surrender to him, to bow down to him, to repent of our sin, to believe that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one, and that we will follow him. That is the good news. And man, I am so excited this morning that I get to proclaim this good news to you. Because I know many out there who are watching and listening to this are going, I've got my invitation, and I've accepted. But maybe there's someone out there who you're looking it over. You're really pondering it, and I want you to. I want you to consider, because if you keep reading in Luke chapter 14, I urge you to do this afterward. The next section is the cost. You must count the cost, because to be a follower of Jesus, yes, one day we're with him, but we are not promised here on this earth that we will not have persecution. Tough times will come, but we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have him to comfort us, and I pray that as you really think about that this morning, that you will accept the invitation to follow I want to close this in a word of prayer. So bow with me. Father, thank you so much for the gift that you have given us. Father, thank you so much for your sacrifice. Father, for your suffering. Lord, we would not have salvation without you. Father, thank you for inviting me in. Lord, for showing me great grace. And Lord, I thank you that I will be at your banquet one day. But until then, Lord, I pray, Lord, that I too would invite others to this great banquet. Father, I pray that others would see my joy, to see my love, that they couldn't help but want to be a part of your great kingdom. So we ask these things in your name. Before I close, one more verse. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. He is preparing the place. The banquet will be ready, but will you be there? Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. Um, I know that Pastor Roger um, in the welcome kind of talked a little bit about our plan. I just want to reiterate that as we um, head out of here today, there will be um, no Wednesday night or no Sunday morning small groups, but we are planning on worshiping next Sunday, and I am excited to gather back together. So I hope you have a great Sunday, um, and we'll see you guys soon. Love you. Bye-bye.